0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to The Sleep Pod, the podcast where the stories are occasionally high concept but always low stakes. My name is James, and I'm here to make up a boring, rambling, and mildly amusing story to help set you up for a long and restful night's sleep. Once again, I am here apologizing for an unannounced disruption to the usual service, but I had a bit of a cold and didn't want to put out an episode that contained more than the usual amounts of unwanted mouth noises Anyway, I'm back now and hopefully I'll be able to keep up with my schedule of around one episode every two weeks ish. So, back to this episode story and while I was ill, I received a missive smuggled into me from a mystery benefactor, scrawled on the side of a bottle of supermarket unbranded cough medicine. And that will serve as this episode's word of inspiration. And the word was... Moon. So get yourself comfortable. Fluff your pillows. Close all your windows, curtains and blinds. Don the cleanest and smartest pyjamas you own. And I'll begin with this episode's story. In the rainforest, and high above all of the trees and other animals and plants, there was a really big and tall tree, and sat in that tree. Was Phil. Phil had long arms, long legs, and all of the other standard characteristics that you would usually expect from a gibbon. Because Phil was, in fact, a gibbon. He wasn't like all of the other gibbons. They all seemed quite happy doing all the usual things that gibbons do. But he had higher expectations from life. He wanted more. He wanted to do interesting things. Things that maybe no other Gibbon had done before. Perhaps even things that nobody, Gibbon or anything else, had done before. He knew that Options were available to him. After all, he had a cousin called Keith who worked in the city as a surveyor. But still, doing that kind of thing was always considered a bit of a strange thing to do by all of the other Gibbons. But Phil didn't really care too much what everybody else thought. After all, he didn't judge them for their lifestyle choices. He just knew that it wasn't for him. He stared out across the landscape in front of him, trying to work out what he really wanted from life. He thought about moving, maybe to the city, or maybe just to a small town somewhere. He didn't think that moving to a village would be enough of a step up from his current situation. So he thought if he was going to move, if that was the change in his life that he settled on, it should be a town at the very least. He thought long and hard as his eyes swept over the tops of the trees all around him. Hmm, he thought. But will that really change anything? Will I still be feeling this way, but just in a slightly different location? Sure, he continued thinking. The career opportunities are much better in a densely populated area. But is that what I really want? Phil wasn't an overly social gibbon. Sure, he had a few friends and had no problems making more. But as he had gotten older, he much preferred his own company. He sighed, and cast his eyes up to a cloudless sky. It was filled with thousands of softly twinkling stars. And then His eyes landed on the moon. Large, round, and glowing. Hmm, thought Phil. Then a thought struck him like no thought had ever struck him before. He quickly sat up almost falling off his branch, but then readjusted his grip and stared the moon straight in the crater and said, that's it, I want to own the moon. He had no idea how to go about, achieving this particular goal. But he thought, it's ambitious. It's daring. And he was fairly sure that nobody else really owned it. So why couldn't he? His mind was full of racing thoughts about the possibilities But still, he didn't really know where to start. So he took a few deep breaths and came to the conclusion that he would have a bit of a sleep. And hopefully in the night his subconscious mind might have laid out the groundwork of a plan He climbed down from his perch at the top of the tree, and made his way to the small treehouse that he had built and lived in. He climbed in through the door on the side, poured himself an ice glass of water, drank a bit of it, and then got into bed. It took him a while to eventually doze off. He tried very hard not to think too directly about how to own the moon. But his thoughts kept on falling back into that particular rhythm. But eventually, after a while, his mind and his thoughts calmed down and he was able to drift off into sound slumber. The morning came just as it did every day, and Phil got out of bed, had a wash, had a bowl of breakfast cereal, and descended from his home to the ground of the rainforest. During the night, he hadn't formed too much of a plan, but had at least decided on a few opening steps that he could take that would hopefully lead him to achieving his goal. He made his way across the rainforest and walked for a while He greeted a few of his friends, neighbors, and acquaintances on his way. Some of them inquired on what he was doing, but he didn't feel comfortable enough telling them that he was going to try and own the moon, partly because He was worried that people would either laugh at him, think that he was just doing a joke, or maybe that they would also think that that was a really good idea, and try to beat him to moon ownership. So, he kept his cards close to his hairy chest, and he made his way to the small village on the outskirts of the rainforest. After a while, he arrived at the village He'd been there a few times, and knew the general layout of the place. And so he made his way straight to the... ...home of the local... ...politician. The rainforest didn't have any elected members of... ...government. And in the past, the person in charge of the nearest village had always been the person to get in contact with any concerns. So he decided that speaking to this person was probably the best way to go. And even if they can't help Phil directly, perhaps they will know who could. Phil walked down a few streets and then down some more and eventually arrived at the home of the local politician. A lady called Cardigan Sue. Phil wasn't sure if that was Cardigan Sue's Actual name. Or if that was the name that just everybody referred to her as. Because her name was Sue. And she didn't wear cardigans a lot. Whatever the reason, Cardigan Sue was happy to be referred to as Cardigan Sue. So, after Phil knocked on the door, and it was eventually answered, he greeted the cardigan-laden Sue by saying, Hello, Cardigan Sue. Cardigan Sue took a step back and looked down. Ah, she said. Your name's Phil, isn't it? Yes, said Phil. Great, said Cardigan Sue. And she reached down and they shook hands. So, Phil, said Cardigan Sue, how can I help you? "'Well,' said Phil. "'I really don't know if you're the right person to ask, but I need to start somewhere, and I think you're the best person for that.' "'Oh,' said Cardigan "So, "'So what is it?' "'Well,' said Phil, Here's the thing, I wish to own the moon. Help. Hmm, said Cardigan Sue, and she started stroking her chin, and thinking deeply. After a few moments, she said, I think you better come in, Phil. So she stepped back and ushered Phil into her home. Phil sat on a sofa in Cardigan Sue's office. With Cardigan Sue, sitting also on the sofa. They were drinking tea, and Cardigan Sue was still deep in thought on how to aid Phil on his endeavor. After a while, when Phil and Cardigan Sue had almost entirely drank their cups of tea. She turned to Phil and said, Okay, I've been doing a lot of thinking and I think I know what you need to do next. Oh, said Phil, what? Well, said Cardigan Sue. If I'm being honest, trying to to help you with this is slightly out of my comfort zone. Not because I don't want to help, but because I don't know how. Oh no, said Phil. Yes, said Sue. However... I think I do know somebody who may be able to help. I think it would be best if you went to the city and spoke to Mr. Waterbridge. He's a politician like me, except He has much greater skills and authority than I do. I usually talk to him when I'm faced with a problem that I don't know how to deal with. Ah, said Phil. Could you draw me a map? how to get there or give me some written down instructions that are very detailed. Hmm I suppose I could said Cardigan Sue but it would just be a lot easier if I just drove you there. Oh said Phil. That's very nice of you, but I don't want you going out of your way. It's fine, said Cardigan Sue. So, I've got nothing else to do today. Great, said Phil. So, now or later or Now's fine, said Cardigan Sue, and they both stood up, finished drinking the last bits of their cups of tea, left the house, and got into Cardigan Sue's car, and began driving to the city. The car journey took quite a while. They traveled down many, many roads through a wide variety of towns and villages. The landscape changed from rainforest to forest, to desert, to a slightly mountainous region. Then eventually, they arrived at the city. Wow, said Phil. I wasn't expecting it to be so big." Yes, said Cardigan Sue, it is quite the sight. He sat in the passenger seat of the car, staring out of the window at all of the buildings. What's that? He said. What? Asked Cardigan Sue. That over there. And he pointed. Oh. That's a shop. They sell photographs of people's teeth for use in a dentist's waiting rooms. Ah, oh, Said Phil. I'm going to sit here and see all of the other types of shops that I can see. That's a great idea, said Cardigan Sue. And so Phil sat and watched as they drove past a shop that sold equipment for scuba diving. Seventeen HAT SHOPS A SHOP THAT SOLD SOFT DRINKS A SHOP THAT SOLD HARD DRINKS AND A SHOP THAT SOLD OBSCURE VINYL RECORDS from bygone eras. And then, eventually, they arrived at the heart of the city. Cardigan Sue stopped the car outside a large and imposing skyscraper that said, in big letters, GOVERNMENT. Ah, I take it we're here, said Phil. Yes, said Cardigan Sue. Now just go in there and ask to speak to Mr. Waterbridge. Okay, said Phil. He got out the car and entered the building. He walked up to the reception desk and told the receptionist that he wished to speak to Mr. Waterbridge. They tapped at a computer for a while confirmed that Mr. Waterbridge was in fact free, and told Phil to enter the elevator, and press the button for the 100th floor. So that's exactly what Phil did. He had never been in an elevator before, and was quite surprised by how fun he found the whole experience. He enjoyed the squareness of the room as it ascended the building, and he also enjoyed watching the numbers on the screen change to indicate which floor he was currently ascending past. After a while, a dinging noise happened, and the doors opened, and a voice said, 100th floor. through the open door, and he found himself on the 100th floor. He wasn't too surprised by this, but there was definitely a sense of excitement. Once again, Phil found himself looking at the desk of a receptionist, He strolled over and once again said that he would like to meet with Mr. Waterbridge in regards to an important matter. Again the receptionist tapped away at a computer, nodded, and then picked up a telephone. They tapped at the keypad, and then held the receiver up. Phil heard a muffled voice say, hello, and then the receptionist said, somebody would like to talk to you. Phil couldn't hear what the voice at the other end of the phone said, but after a moment, The receptionist said, okay, before putting the phone down and telling Phil to go through a door that was located to the side of the room that he was currently in. When Phil entered the room, He saw a man sat at a desk. In front of the desk were two chairs, but didn't really look too comfortable. Oh, said the man, are you a gibbon? Yes, said Phil. My name is Phil, and I am, indeed, a gibbon. Excellent, said the man. My name is Mr. Waterbridge. Please, take a seat. So Phil walked round and sat in one of the seats, across from Mr. Waterbridge. So said Mr. Waterbridge. How can I help you? Well, said Phil. I don't know if you're the right person to ask, but I did originally ask Cardigan Sue. Do you know Cardigan Sue? Ah, said Mr. Waterbridge. Yes, I know Cardigan Sue very well great said phil well initially i spoke to her and she suggested that i speak to you great said mr waterbridge what is the problem well said phil it's not a problem per se but more of an inquiry a request oh said Mr. Waterbridge. Yes, said Phil. I would like to own the moon. Is that something that you can facilitate? Hmm, said Mr. Waterbridge. I don't know. He turned and started tapping away on a computer all the time making a lot of hmm mm noises. Bill sat there and watched patiently. After a while, Mr. Waterbridge said, Ah, here we go, yes. He tapped a few more times, and then a printer started printing. Mr Waterbridge stood up and walked over to the printer that was located on a table near the window, and after a moment, the printing had finished. He picked up the paper and returned to his seat. then looked at the paperwork, before putting it down on the desk, and sliding it over to Phil. Well, said Mr. Waterbridge, not a problem. Just sign here, and put today's date there. And congratulations, you now own the moon. Oh, said Phil. That's simple. Yes, said Mr. Waterbridge. If you'd like, I'm sure I could pad out the whole process if you wanted to seem much more of an achievement. No, thank you, said Phil. Ah, that's good, said Mr. Waterbridge. Because I think some important matter may have just come up that I need to see to, and ideally wouldn't want to spend too much time doing something which really is just a matter of simple paperwork. Cool, said Phil, not a problem, and he picked up a pen and signed the paperwork. Great, said Mr. Waterbridge, congratulations. You now own the moon. Great, said Phil, thank you very much, you've been very helpful. They both stood up, shook hands, and left. Phil got back in the elevator, descended down to the ground floor of the building, and then exited the building he got back into Cardigan Sue's car. She looked at him expectantly. So, how did it go? She inquired. Great, said Phil. I now own the moon. Ooh, that's nice, said Cardigan Sue. So, shall we go back to the... Uh, Rainforest? Yes, said Phil. So she started the car up and began to drive. After a while, Cardigan Sue turned to Phil and said, So, now you own the moon, what are you going to do with it? Phil let out a long sigh and then eventually said, I don't know, look at it, I think. It's a bit silly that anyone could really own it, and I don't really want to do anything with it, apart from just be able to say I own the moon. Ah, said Cardigan Sue, that's very noble, and they both laughed, as they continued to drive all the way home. That's the end of this episode's story. As always, thanks for listening. And join me again next time for another bedtime story. Until then, sleep well. Good night.